0: Welcome into the Locked on Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, and today I am joined by the fantastic Benji Ritholtz, who puts together uh, Knicks threads on Twitter for Knicks Film School, uh, aptly named, and he is a writer at the Strickland. If you're on Knicks Twitter, you already know he is one of the best in the business, and I'm honored that he could join me. It was a terrible night for the New York Knicks as they fell to the New Orleans Pelicans 102 to 101. Uh, We talk a little bit about the game, but mostly big picture stuff, where this franchise is headed before getting into your questions. So all that and more right now on Locked on Knicks.
1: You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on
0: Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now.
0: Left, now off the glass.
1: It's good. And
0: you are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And we wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, fresh off the Hoop Hall Classic. Much more importantly. The man, the myth, the thread king, Benji Ridholz, now of Knicks Film School, still of the Strickland. Benji, welcome to the pod. Uh, you, you messaged me that I picked a hell of a night to have you on. I thought we'd have we'd have a fun conversation about the Knicks cruising to a win over the Pelicans, but it was not meant to be as the Knicks fell uh, in tragic fashion, 102 to 91 in a game that they were down by as many as 25 points to the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, so we are not going to talk about the game any more than we have to. Instead, uh, I'm thinking we can go a little big picture here. You did you did your post-game grades, which are big hit on Twitter. I always look forward to them. Um, and at the end of them, uh, you wrote, whole goal of the season was to maintain, put out a good product, be competitive, keep the city energized, failing miserably right now. I'm not even going to ask you a question. I'm just going to let you say whatever you want to expand on that.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on of course a chat with Gavin is good as, as good a therapy as I'm going to get. So I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think, uh, obviously with the upcoming schedule, the way it looks, uh, and this stretch, that was, uh, kind of the, 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 the sequence of games where they had to really make a, a statement and a run and kind of get ahead of it in the standings a bit, just being realistic about what this now looks like. Um, I You know, I, if, if I had to bet, I would say we're going to end up uh, behind Atlanta, um, who I think will probably make a run at some point. Uh, and, I, you know, the other teams aren't showing any signs of collapse. Uh, I, I don't think it looks good even for a play in berth right now. Just being realistic and honest, I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, just the way it looks, the remaining schedules as they are, uh, this is not where you want to be. And to go 0-3 in this stretch here at home, against, um, three average to below average teams, yeah, or are probably above average team. Minnesota's, I think a little below average and New Orleans is as well as they've been playing. Um, it's not an above average basketball team. Um, you're now looking at a problem, you know, a, a potential lottery team and, and it's not just that they lost the games, it's, it's how it looked in this game. It's the energy that was lacking in a game where it should have been a desperate effort. Um. I've just, I'm just kind of shocked by, by that 48 minutes and what we saw. And, you know, I think the whole approach to the season, the way the front office, the front office kind of approached it strategically was let's run it back. Um, let's try to stay solid, you know, around 500, maybe a little bit above, try to make another playoff run, keep things exciting and biding our time, kind of restoring the reputation of the franchise until we can get someone to want to come here and that this doesn't destroy that whole vision by any by any stretch but i do think it 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 damages it um i do think damages it if this really goes off the rails and i think there's a potential that it goes off the rails
0: yeah i mean i think to your point a positive momentum was was the term i was using this offseason right it was all about like keeping the trajectory and maybe taking a slight step forward that was Evan fournier that was kemba walker Th- those guys were supposed to just be Elevations over uh, Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock, and um, because of a, a myriad of factors that we can get into, uh, that has not necessarily been the case. Um, I remember this was—it feels like a while ago, but it was probably like ten days ago. Uh, Alex and I did a show, and we were talking about this upcoming seven-game stretch and saying, "All right, after they 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 have this home run, which is San Antonio, Dallas, Atlanta, Charlotte, Minnesota, New Orleans, and then the Clippers." Um, the schedule really, really turns up. And they needed to go five and two, maybe six and one obviously get off to a pretty fantastic start. They cruise past the Spurs, uh, the Mavericks game, probably the game of the year, the Hawks game. Uh, fantastic as well. Of course, I missed those two. Uh, I returned to New York. Maybe this is all on me. Uh, and 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 these three games ensue. And now to your point, you're looking at the Clippers, at the Cavs, at Miami, at Milwaukee, home versus Sacramento, home versus a red hot Memphis Grizzlies squad, uh, at Los Angeles, at Utah, at Denver, at Golden State, on and on and on. Um, it's not, it's not promising. I, I don't think you saying that a play-in is, um, is likely at this point, I don't find that to be a stretch at all. Um, and I guess, I guess where, where we can go from here is, and, and this, is, this is as loaded as a question as you can get, what has, what has gone wrong? Um, I was just writing stuff down after the show and saying, uh, the offense that so clearly had a centerpiece in Julius Randle last year clearly does not have a centerpiece. Um, and I didn't in the preseason, I didn't think they necessarily needed a centerpiece because I I thought this was a team that was going to have five fantastic options in that starting lineup. And they were going to win by cohesion and the fact that like everyone could shoot around a high level rim running center. And that has just not come into play. Um, and, and the other excuse you could use is Derek Rose, arguably their best player has been out for a long time and losing your best player would really hurt any team. But when Rose comes back, I don't even know if it solves a lot of their problems because the biggest one is this team just completely lacking for any sort of identity. And I don't, I don't think Rose gives you that all. He gives a bench an identity. I don't think he gives his team an identity all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. um, I agree with all that. I think it starts and it ends with Randall uh, and, and we're talking about positive momentum. Well, uh, you, you signed a guy to, to big money in a long-term deal and that changes expectations and it changes the it's no longer a, a no-lose situation. Like last season was a no-lose, no but there was no long-term money, there were no expectations, there was no commitment. It was just like this is fun. Well, when you make an investment, it's true in any walk of life and anything that you do, once you invest, expectations change. All of a sudden there's commitment and all of a sudden it can go it can go badly. And that's kind of where we are now with Julius and there's a there's an energy about him, and obviously the way the 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 booing has, has started and continued now. And I mean this performance, uh, I mean he made really some really nice passes in the first quarter, but from the first from tip, I mean it was a lot of settling for mid range jumpers. It was uninspiring defense. It was not getting the loose balls. It was getting an offensive rebound ripped away from you by by Josh Hart. Um, and what did he shoot one for one for eight? I mean, it was embarrassing. And then he kind of went on like a little shooting strike in the third quarter, I thought, where he just decided, I'm not going to shoot. I'm just going to throw it to the nearest guy. I mean, that stuff's really damaging. And, and the ref stuff, did he get crushed by Valanciunas there? Yes. That is a terrible no call. Should you get a technical that actually you could have gotten two technicals because you would have gotten it if Kemba didn't get it in the, on the first one. And then when you come out in the third quarter, you're still talking to the ref before you even bound the ball to start the quarter. Like There's just so much negativity about and around him right now that is absolutely derailing this team, and nobody can tell me otherwise. Like That is where it starts, and that is where it ends, um, is Julius Randle. That's that's factor number one. And the other one is the defense, um, which was the identity of the team. People forget the offense wasn't all that good last year either. It came alive a little bit in the second half of the year, but it wasn't anything special. It was a special defensive team, and they're not anymore. They're not even an average defensive team. Um, and that goes to um, 48 Kemba being significant downgrades, and it goes to Julius Randle allowing his offensive struggles undoubtedly to impact his 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 defensive effort and and focus. Um, and it's no, I mean, so we're now, now we're now talking about a team with its best player is Julius Randle, who's not a very good player right now at all. He's he's an, he's 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 a struggling player who's actually actively hurting your basketball team and you have a a below average defensive team what does that get you that gets you a lottery team right I mean that's the equation Um, and that's so I I do think the defense uh, as well as Randall's struggles are the two uh, clear kind of primary factors that have led to where we are.
0: All right, guys, it's about that time. Let's take our first break and talk a little bit about Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new update, desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, Julius, I mean, to me, it's just so obvious, like, how far in his head he is at this point. Like, he, he hit a possession in the third quarter where the Pelicans just maybe played six feet off him. Yeah, and I know. Didn't, he, yeah, he yeah, didn't, didn't, just didn't want to shoot the three, right, when he was bringing it up. And last year, that would have been, like, that would have been up. And it, maybe it doesn't go in, but it would have been zero hesitation. And we... I mean, we've gone through so many. It, it feels weird that this season is only forty-five games, and it feels like it's been four different seasons already. Um, but we've gone through so many cycles with Julius this year, where like he he wouldn't shoot, and then he, then he's shooting too much, and then like like when the Knicks were playing well, it was like, oh wow, he's like he's still not shooting well, but at least he's operating as a hub, like like you've been pointing out um, those between-the-leg passes where, where he pivots into a screen off of them. Those yeah. are awesome, and then, like to me, that's that's the most fun version of Randall, and maybe yeah. maybe that's the answer. Like the guy who regressed. From forty-one percent three-point shooting a year ago, which, which maybe none of us should have suspected w- was sustainable, and like, and even even more scintillating shooting from mid-range, um, maybe that the version of that guy is like best as like a third player, uh, or excuse me, a third option, and someone who can't just be like a Draymond Green type passer for your offense with with obviously better shooting and and a better ability to attack the rim. The issue with that is like the Knicks don't have the complimentary pieces to make that a thing. And even if they did, I don't know if that's who Julius wants to be like, like it just, it's, I, I I don't know if you're, you're a Marvel guy, but I was just watching the Moon Knight trailer and I was like, I was like, God, that kind of sums up the whole Knicks season, right? It's like multiple (laughs) personality disorder, like, or like disassociated uh, personality disorder. Like they just have no clue what they are. And I don't know. Do you, do you how much of that do you put on Tibbs versus just like the circumstances of like having Kemba thrown in, and having to incorporate him, having to get Fournier going, um, having all these young guys off the bench, but maybe too many young guys and none of whom have like a complete enough skill set that you definitively can play them, but all of whom are promising enough that you have to play them some minutes. I I, I don't want to like just lock like put that all on Tibbs' feet because I I don't think it's his an easy of a situation as it appeared to be at the start of the season where it seemed like he sort of had an ideal roster to at the very least have an above average team. But at the same time, like there's just been no consistency at all. And I don't know how that doesn't circle around your head coach a little bit.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I want to address something you said about Randall first and then I'll move to Tibbs. Yeah. Um, The issue <laughs> Randall has to shoot the ball. Well, not just because it means you're scoring more points, but because, the personnel that the Knicks uh, have are um, non-shooting centers. Um, and so if, if Julius Randle can't shoot, and right now he cannot shoot, he doesn't want to shoot, he's throwing up bricks, he's not making anything from anywhere. Um, now you have two non-shooting bigs on the floor. Defenses are responding to that, and you saw that that Pelicans play was a great – I mean, in the third quarter was a great example where they're just clogging the lane What's your offense? I mean, you have Julius Randle, who now is basically needs to be a small ball center because he can't shoot. Mitchell Robinson's in there clogging the lane. R.J. Barrett gives you some decent spacing. And then Forney and Kemba can give you some spacing. But that's not a that's not a good offensive ecosystem at all. Um, so Julius Randle needs to shoot well for this team to, to be successful offensively. And if he doesn't shoot well, you have a very, very low ceiling. Um, Now, if you get a stretch center at some point, does that change? Can you make Randall successful as more of a kind of a roller and an attacker and less of a shooter? Yes, but as currently constituted, I don't think you can really do that. Um, That's in terms of Randall. In terms of Tibbs, um, I have defended Tibbs a lot this year. Um, I think there are serious roster problems. I don't think he could have predicted this kind of fall off from Julius. I think we all expected some regression, but this is, this is something else. I don't know what uh, – uh, this is a collapse more than a regression. Um, but I will say that if a coach prides himself on the fact that his teams are always going to be disciplined and play harder than the other team, and that's what they were last year, um, You can't say that about the Knicks this year. And I always blame the player first. Coaches never should get the blame first. Uh, if you're blaming the coach first, then you're not analyzing the game. But um, at some point, the buck stops with him. And to see this team come out in both, both the first and the third quarters with that little energy in a game that they had to win, they didn't get one loose ball in that first quarter. There were like four loose balls in that quarter that the Pelicans came up with. You have this little guy. What's his name? Alvarado. Yeah, Jose Alvarado. I mean, I, I look. I've I watched some Pelicans games um, leading up to this one. That guy is a he's a borderline NBA player. I'm not sure he's going to have any career. And he was he was bossing the Knicks around. I mean, he was owning the Knicks. He was trash hogging them. Like that guy just wanted it more than anybody on the Knicks. Like it was a very simple analysis. Like that's what it was. Um, so like, does that fall on Tibbs to? Some, yeah, I think it has to. I think at some point it has to. And is this a performance that starts to get those, you know, that starts to you start to question his security? I don't think so, because I think the whole organization, from uh, from Rose down to Tibbs, is so tight, and and I imagine that that's not really a conversation that's going to happen this year. Um, I wonder if like Dolan gives a call tonight, like that's the kind. This is the kind of game that catches Jim Dolan's attention. All you want to do is keep Dolan away. You play good basketball, your effort's high, you'll keep Dolan away. But you do something like this at home, and the boos are, are sounding, well then, you know, yeah, the, the, it, it'll start eventually. And that's a little concerning. And I don't know, you know, the thing with Tibbs is always that he wears teams out. Is it possible that he's lost his team a little bit? Yeah, it's possible. It's hard If you're not at practice, you're not in the locker room, it's hard to know. But the way they're performing and the effort that they're showing in some of these games – um, I I think it's very fair at the very least to question what kind of effect he's now having on on these guys.
0: Yeah, I think the, and you mentioned this when you were first talking, but I think the fear is like the deep slide, right? Could they lose like nine of their next 11? Like that doesn't at all feel off the table right now. I mean, it feels no. borderline like realistic. And you start getting the New York Post headlines. Uh, Mark Berman gets invigorated a little. I'm sure we'll have him on the pod sometime soon. Um,
1: <laughs> Berman gets yeah. the bat signal He's yeah, he to go. be
0: smiling year to year after this game. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, things start heading that direction. I mean, which is the direction that like you and I, like Knicks fans, the last two decades, like we're very, very familiar with. That's when things start to get kind of dicey because we were, everyone was so on the bandwagon of there is a there is a core competency to this right. roster to this coach, to this front office, right? We know as a baseline that is there. Um, maybe maybe the Knicks don't, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't really assured mm-hmm. of the idea that they were going to all of a sudden get out of the first round coming into this year. Um, but that was fine. Like they just had to sort of tread water until like whatever the, the big play was came to fruition. And now it's, you're, you're, you're dive you're, you're dipping a toe into territory that's much scarier Where all of a sudden you're like all right is is this the right direction i don't want to go too far that way because i still think like this front office is um clearly or maybe maybe clearly is a stretch but seemingly is, is drafted pretty well um and the development seems to be solid if not fantastic um and and maybe could even be a little bit further along if the Knicks pivot and they start playing the young guys more and more and more and someone like rhymes i don't know i could see him like finishing the season with like 10 straight games with like averaging around 15 points per game. And all of a sudden that looks like an incredible pick. Um, I I guess this is a long-winded way of saying, I'm not sure where this goes, but I almost think they have to find a source of optimism, whether that is coherence all of a sudden with the vets, or that is pivoting to a younger group and them losing a bunch of games and, and adding someone significant this offseason. And then I don't know, we, we just did a whole episode on Jalen Brunson, finding a way to like add an organizer and someone who's extremely efficient and someone who makes all the other pieces fit. Uh, maybe that's lofty territory for Brunson, but I think someone like him could potentially help there. There just has to be some way to get this back on track because in New York, I think, almost more than anywhere else in the NBA, like momentum and, and negative momentum in particular is such a powerful thing. And this franchise, again, this is going like really big picture, doom and gloom. They can't afford for this to completely blow up because that would just, that would really suck. After, yeah, after last then, back,
1: then you're back to square one of the last 20 years. I mean, it's yeah. uh, the whole, again, I mean, it goes back to what we talked about right at the beginning is the whole idea here was to, was to uh, was to raise the floor, which is a very low floor, and to be a competent NBA franchise. And I uh, right now, you know, I, it could still be that this year. And I would say if you if you step back from this game and you just looked at the year as a whole, you'd say, yeah, this is still a competent NBA team. I mean, yeah. maybe, a, maybe a lower echelon team, but at least a competent NBA team. Um, but it might not stay that way, and that's the fear. And, and you know, I, I think the OB top in 10 minutes a game gets really old if it's not actually working. Right, I, I can defend it, and I can say Obi hasn't actually been that good in the last 15 games, even when he's gotten dime, and I can say that, that you need Julius Randle to be great in order to win games, and I can say that um, we're overrating our young guys and that rookies are rookies, and I can say all those things, and I do, I say them all the time. Yeah. Um, but at some point, if you're losing anyway, uh, then it makes no sense. And the problem is that I know that Tibbs will go down with the veteran shit. Right. He's not going to pivot. There's no evidence in Tibbs' coaching career that he will make that pivot. Uh, now, maybe can the front office convince him. I don't know. He's a very stubborn man. You have to wait and see. But if this does go south and what the trade deadline's in, you know, if what February was, February 10th? Yeah, I think so. Um, so. What does the front office do if, you know, you're going to get a good sense now in the next 10 games or so where this is really going to go. So does the, do we try to get, you know, get Burks off the books, try to get something for him. Um, You know, those questions start to come into play. So this is a kind of a crossroads here. Um It's not the worst thing in the world. If you make that pivot and you get a good pick and you try to kind of recoup in the off season and figure something out, but it's not what you want. You wanted this season to be um another step or at least, Holding the fort, and uh, we're we're heading
0: the wrong way. All right, guys, one final break before we wrap things up with Benji finishing answering all your questions. Let's talk a little. Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the best protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net Carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So whenever you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter, brownie, raspberry, cookies, and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors so check out built.com to see what's new. All you have to do is go to built.com, use promo code lock 15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. All good. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a good way to conclude our uh, big picture conversation. Uh, let, let's, let's get into some uh, mailbag questions because people were... Uh, very enthusiastic and uh, got in, gotten quite a few of them. Uh, the first one was, yeah, from David at D Good uh, Mantra Blue. He said, "Talk about when you think Tibbs will be fired." Well, I guess we just sort of had that conversation. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess we'd both agree not anytime soon. I'll, I'll say maybe in like 2025 after the Knicks win a title and then sign Russell Westbrook, and then Russell Westbrook isn't playing all that well, <laughs> and Tibbs has to bench him,
1: and then he's on a day-to-day contract like Vogel. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see any world where it happens this season. Yeah. Um, no. uh, if, if next season is bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, a three year, a third year who's who hasn't uh, who's, who's going downhill. I think, yes, I think that it's possible. I don't think it's possible.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I will note like Tibbs last year, I think impressed some, um, a, a lot of people strong because I feel like he kind of reverted back as the season went along, but certainly impressed some people with like his ability to run more modern offense um in certain ways. And um, I think for him to for this to work, he's going to have to be willing to make that next step. And, and, and to your point, the criticism with him has always been like he has his principles. He sticks with his principles. Obviously, like play, not playing OB at the five is, is an example of him like being totally unwilling to experiment off of certain things that he considers um, absolutely essential to winning NBA basketball games. I, I don't know if that's the thing he's going to have to give up. I think he'll ultimately have to give up something um, or, or, or switch something if uh, things are going to end well for him in New York. Uh, next question from Mekki JD. Mekki, sorry if I butcher your name, at Mekki Um He said, What three Knicks players would you build around if you were to restart now? I think that's that's a fantastic question. I'll, I'll throw that to you first, Benji.
1: Build around. And um, yeah, young, I'll take as under 25. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, sure. Okay. Um, RJ? Quickly. And I will say
0: Grimes. I had the same three. And I was I was torn between Mitch and Grimes, but I yeah. think we just haven't seen that I obviously a couple couple good games recently, but that next step forward for Mitch to Yeah, really, I mean, if anyone
1: had a good game tonight, it was him. He was certainly wrecking on the offensive boards. He had seven offensive rebounds. Um the problem is he can't make a free throw. I mean, it's just brutal. And uh <laughs> Teams are just going to keep fouling him. Uh, he got the line. He was 5 for 10 from the line tonight. I mean, it's just not good enough. And he's so limited. I mean, he's a, he's a really good role dunker. I don't think he's an elite defensive center. I think he's a good defensive center, an inconsistent defensive center. And just the sense that um, centers are a bit easier to find and, and, and you can find them on the cheap and you can, you can kind of work around it, whereas the 3 and D wing, a really good one, which I think Quentin Grimes has a chance to be, uh, is a more valuable commodity, so that's kind of where I came out. But I had the same, I had the same four finalists, and I, uh, I guess we ended up on the same
0: three. Did you think going into the season, Mitch was going to be an elite defensive center? Maybe, maybe this is a whole other podcast, but to me, no. like that was okay, interesting. Yeah, because I, no. I was really high on him after like the first thirty or so games last year. Like I, I thought we were seeing a guy who was putting together like all the physical tools in the world and was getting some of the mental stuff down. But, but so he's he's sort of played i mean outside of like the beginning of the year when he couldn't move at all like up to your expectations on that end
1: yeah and i would say he's been the best of himself the last 10 games um and that's a really good player and a really impactful player i you know i just i don't trust his decision making I don't, I don't trust his positioning um so, and then the offensive limitations, like we've seen with these trapping defenses recently, I mean, New Orleans wasn't as aggressive, but Charlotte certainly was. And, and Minnesota is a wildly aggressive defense and the inability to just throw the ball at Mitch in the pocket and let him make a play is really hurtful. And it's a, it's a big reason why the Knicks struggle so mightily against those kinds of defenses. And When you have a center that just can't make a play with the ball and he can't, I mean, they don't give him a chance all the time. He doesn't look for the ball all the time. It's kind of a combination of a lot of things and maybe yeah. he could get better at it, but I don't see a lot there. So there are a lot of limitations. And I think, uh, yeah,
0: I think that he's
1: performed at about expectations for me. Um, yeah. I think that's probably right.
0: Yeah. I think the the lack of development for Mitchell Robinson and maybe, maybe that's mostly pin on, on the, on the old regime. I, I think that's maybe the most disappointing part of the Knicks the last Two, three years, which is a. Well, is, is, is,
1: say, it, he's, yeah. he's definitely gotten more dis. I mean, he used to just jump at everything. He's definitely. Totally right, I'm, then, I'm, talking, I'm talking
0: offensively more than defensively. Oh, guess, yeah. To be, to be yeah. Other than yeah, the, he, he's the same moves. guy he was when he came in. Yeah, no, exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. no. Yeah. I'm defensively, he's gotten he's gotten a lot better. All right. Uh, This is a fun question going going a little bit more league wide. Uh Tiago Campante. A lot of, lot of tough names today. Uh, Tiago Campante. Um, Consider the last five NBA drafts. Which of the number three picks would you rather have on your team for the next 10 to 15 years? Please rank in order. Jason okay. Tatum, Luka Doncic. RJ Barrett, LaMelo Ball, Evan Mobley. This was this is outside of pretty easily having RJ in last. This is this brutally tough for me. Yeah, um,
1: RJ, we I mean, love you. But yeah,
0: uh and it's, that, that part's easy. And, and it just and again shines a light. The one time the Knicks are actually bad enough to get a top three pick. They get so far and away the worst one out of the last five. Uh just uh just classic Knicks. All right. I, I had uh Luka still uh despite uh some uh I I hesitate to his struggles when he's averaging like 26, nine and nine. Um some some quote unquote struggles this year. Luca, easy number one um I still have Tatum at two over Mobley like I just think Tatum is just such a transcendent offensive talent I mean and he's someone who I, I don't think is like still like not fully playing up to his potential like I, I think he's someone who should just bottom line be a top six or seven guy in the nba but i just think he's ridiculous um i have evan mobley at third and i i thought about putting him second i think he's been that good so far as a, a two-way guy for cleveland uh lamello fourth and i'm, I'm a big lamello guy but i just not not the two-way potential of those other guys and then rj pretty clear fifth for me
1: wow okay so we're gonna differ here um, okay. other than first and fifth um yeah. yeah i think luca's pretty luca is a good NBA team by himself right now. Yeah. Can't say that about a lot of guys. Um, he's one of those guys. Uh, so he's one, RJ's five. Um, I am actually gonna take LaMelo Ball too. Oh, interesting. Um, I just think, um, I think that's a guy that totally transforms your offense immediately and he did so. And And as the shot selection and the shot itself get better, which I think they will, Um, there aren't a ton of answers there. And he's big enough where I think the defensive, he is a defensive problem. I think Charlotte's defense looking so good without him was not a coincidence um, against the Knicks and and, and other games. But I think that he's so young, I have no reason to think he won't get better defensively. And his passing is just transformative. Like I just, I'm just a huge fan. Um, So I'm going to take him too. I think he's going to be a, A perennial all star sooner than later. Maybe he's gonna be an all star this year. I don't even know. What's the is he? I think
0: think he's probably like just below the cutting point.
1: Just below. Yeah. I think he's gonna be a perennial all star in a couple years. So he's gonna rattle off many in a row. Um, I will take, man, Mobley's like, um, like he could be anything. Like I I don't know what he is. Uh, I'll take him third because the i i think whatever it is is going to be pretty incredible. I think what he's done as a rookie in terms of like winning impact is pretty rare. You really don't see that. Yeah. Um, a guy who doesn't even have like a it's not like he's he doesn't score easily. Like it's not like he came in as like this dominant scorer, but he just does everything well and just makes your team better. That's so rare and that speaks so highly to what he's going to be. Um, and then Tatum who I love and I think he's phenomenal. Um, I And I think he's a better playmaker than he gets credit for. Um, I, guess, I guess I just kind of know what he is. Like I, don't, yeah. I think he's already pretty much a finished product. I'm not sure how much better he's going to get, and that doesn't mean that the other two guys are going to reach his level, but they have a chance to, and I think they maybe will. I kind of like their chances. So I go Tatum 4 and RJ 5.
0: That's a, Tatum, yeah, cow, that's a tough question. Yeah, play. yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I think Tatum's like the rare perennial all star who you could almost say doesn't play up to his talent, which is it speaks to man. Like, I yeah, to I, it.
1: I totally get the criticism that he settles a lot. He does, and he can get to the rim more and more. But like in that game against the Knicks,
0: he was um, great in the passing the ball in that.
1: His game. passing so is fun. so good. I thought the same thing about Ingram tonight. Also, like the Knicks just don't yeah. have any passers that make those passes. uh regular times, but he doesn't see it early enough um no Tatum's become I think a really good passer um and I think I don't know I think he gets a lot of flack for a roster that's kind of just messed up and yeah I can't speak to his like leadership ability I mean obviously the locker room is kind of weird and I don't know how much of that has to do with him but as a player I I think he's I think he's going to be on like if if you get the right guys around him and with him. There's no reason he can't be like a, a second best player on a championship team.
0: I, don't think I think that. I'm 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 reverse psychologizing you into uh, moving him up. All right, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll keep it moving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you make my case. All right, uh, Nick at Nick Tessa one. Uh, what do you guys think the trade market for Fournier would look like? Nick shouldn't rush a trade, but do you think a lot of teams would be interested in him? So so like two, <laughs> uh, I mean, three weeks ago that would have been like an insane question, obviously. And then Fournier, to his credit, has played a whole lot better. And and you look, you zoom out, and you look at his like statistics outside of like one like really hard stretch and you're like, yeah, this is pretty much who he's been most of his career. Uh That being said, I don't, I don't really see much of a market for him. Um, ben, do you, any, any, any difference or.
1: You know, the hard thing is that like, if he was, if this was the last year of his deal, um like I could see a contender like adding him as a bench piece. I think he'd be really good in that role as a, as a shooter. And uh you know, he's got some size and like, he's, he's a good player. But there's a lot of money there, and he's not young. Um, it's also hard to construct a deal because of how much money's there, right? I mean, you have to send a lot of money back. Um, I haven't thought about like what teams might or what you know what teams have the salary to, to send back, so I, it's hard, a little bit of a hard question for me. But no, I don't think there's a huge market for Evan Fournier at, at uh, two more years of seventeen
0: million dollar uh, salary. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're teams that could use the player. Not not a lot of teams that could use the contract. All right. Uh, yeah. Final, final two. Uh, this one comes from Rella One K, um, and he wants to know. It feels like Tibbs does anything not to play Obi as of late. Grimes is playing a lot of empty minutes, and they just traded for Reddish. Do you think Toppin could be on the outs with the Knicks? Uh, Benji, I know you're you're a longtime Obi enthusiast. <laughs> um, what are what are your thoughts on that one?
1: And you know, I'm gonna chat the the header or whatever the head the what's the pin tweet on my on my account is an article about obi where i wrote about how the knicks have changed his usage and they're screening with him more i wrote this about two months ago um i don't think he set one screen tonight i actually don't think he set one um he was in the corner all night um i don't know what i don't know what happened i i'm very confused i don't understand whose direction this like i don't the point guards used to call for him to screen more, they don't anymore. I don't know if that's a directive from the coach. Like, I don't know. It's very weird. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh Derek Rose is gonna help whenever he comes back.
0: <clears throat> Sorry. You, you you can't you can't say anything negative about Obi. Your body's like going against you. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Derek Rose is gonna help when he comes back. Um, he needs him. God, he needs him just yeah. to get in the ball, advance the ball to him, find him. He was always looking for him. Um, but yeah, the coach doesn't trust him at the five. That's like, that's gone. It's not happening. Uh, if it hasn't happened yet, it's not happening. Um, neither he nor Randall are good enough defensive centers to, to convince Tibbs that it's a good idea and Tibbs isn't going to lean offense. He's going to lean defense. So that's just an identity thing and it's just not going to happen. Um, is it possible that Obie's on the outs? Yes. Well, it, absolutely. It's possible. I mean, how could it not be possible? He doesn't play more than 10 minutes a game. I, you know, what's the what, what's the value there? Um, I think – I assume that teams have seen what he's done this year early in the year and can get excited about that player and would have room to play him at the five and could be convinced that he's a real asset and can become something um, – can become a really impactful player in the league. Um, but it's not here. So, yeah, I think at some point he's going to be moved one way or another.
0: I don't think yeah. there's any question, as long as Randall's around. I was going to say, I think the really concerning thing was the other night when you saw Tibbs, I mean, at the end of Timberwolves game, put in Burks in, instead of Obi. Yeah, and I was so just, sad. I mean, I was just like screaming at my TV because it's like all the, the one thing they need right now is is an injection of energy and life. And and, and to your point, I mean, I mean, they, they've used Obi a lot less screening. The, the two-man game between Obi and Randall was really burgeoning. And I thought Obi was so good for Randall when he was in there because it actually gave him like an off-ball target. And as much as I want to like go after Julius all the time, like there's just like his passing has to come out of like these insane like contractions, like him driving into a double team and spinning and double pumping and, and throwing it the opposite direct, like the yeah. complete opposite yeah. direction that he's looking at times because there's just isn't a lot of off ball activity like Kemba's not a guy who's going to be sprinting off the ball like Fournier like on occasion will, will make it work with Randall RJ who I thought was a pretty good off ball player as a rookie like that's a part of his game that hasn't necessarily developed the way I would have hoped and him and Obi like made magic like it, it was maybe it's only a couple of plays all year and maybe I'm, I'm zooming in too much on those but I, I love those guys getting a chance to play together and And even in a situation, like when you're putting in Alec Burks, like you can argue it's about defense in the sense that like Burks like knows where to be and is like is quicker. But like at that point in the game, like is that against that T-Wolves lineup? Is that really a defensive decision? Like it feels like feels like that's an offensive decision. And I don't know. I think Obi Obi could have helped. And it just seems like Tibbs is Tibbs is just not he's not thinking about it. He's not taking into account. It's almost like, oh, yeah, that guy was the eighth pick. We better we better put him in there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you have any final thoughts on that, but I'm, yeah, I'm just sort you of. You know,
1: I think yeah. Obi's best chance here was to become a good stretch four, and the fact that the shot has abandoned him to the point where what is he? He's around twenty percent. Yeah, can't seem to make any. Um, and the way Tibbs wants to play with that rolling center and spacing around it, yeah, that's what Obi needed to be. And yeah, now the thirty percent last year looks like it was, you know, it should have been like a a miracle because it looks like he can't. He'll know he's never going to make another one right now. Um, So yeah, it's unfortunate because I really like the player and he seems like a great, you know, great teammate. Um, But again, as long as Julius Randle's around uh, when it's ten minutes a game, then what he is 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 a trade piece. That's just what
0: he is, and it's the reality of the situation. Sad as it is. I, I've, I've said it a bunch of times, not, not from an X fan perspective, is it would be painful, but from an OB perspective, I'd, I'd love to see him end up on the wall. Oh yeah. Like, I and mean, he's going yeah.
1: to, yeah, he's going to want out. I mean, there's why should, why wouldn't he, uh, this is not a good situation for him. So
0: yeah, him, him, him and Steph together, just like 20 possessions a game. I think he's, he's shooting is like true shooting would be 120% maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, final, final question comes from Jeremy Hall at SQ clean on Twitter. And he says, Kemba has been largely okay since his return, but the starters have cratered, especially Randall. Does he just not fit in? Did he slap Jew's mama? Well, that's I'm just reading the question. What the hell is it? <laughs> um, what what the hell is it, Benji Ritholtz? So that that's a good way of maybe of, of culminating this whole thing because it just I we Kemba had that fantastic stretch, obviously, um, when he first was reinserted off the bench. I thought he was really good against the T Wolves the other night. Obviously made some massive shots, but it is just not. Fully clicked.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kemba's still good. Uh, I think Kemba's still a really effective offensive player. He can still really shoot it. Um, he's not a player that's going to bring it every night anymore. Like, it, it just kind of comes and goes, and you got to be able to read when it's there and when it's not. Tonight it wasn't. Uh, against the Wolves it was. And if you play him too much, then he's probably going to have to sit out with a sore knee for three weeks. Like, you just have to kind of be realistic about. Yeah. Where we are with this guy, like, unfortunately, because he was such a he was such an incredible athlete, um, he's not anymore because those knees have just betrayed him. So, uh, I think his best role in the NBA right now is as a bench spark that you don't have to rely on every night, uh, but that can come in and change a game with his shooting and his and his uh, and his playmaking, which I think is still good. Uh, you saw it in Minnesota; like he's he can still get in the lane and make a play. He's still super quick off the dribble. Um, but if you're asking him to be the be a be a consistent uh, starting NBA point guard, I don't. I just don't think that's there anymore. It's more 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 of a health thing than anything else. Um, so uh, I don't know if that answered the question that was asked. I'm not even sure I remember what the question was. But that's where I'm at with Campbell Walker. Is that I think he's best served right now as a as a bench guard, and for whatever reason Tibbs doesn't. Um, I not for whatever reason I get that the bench is already small and making it smaller maybe is a little bit scary. Um, So it may not be with the Knicks, but I I think he still has a place in the league. It would just
0: be as kind of a a bench spark. Yeah. And I think the issue is the Knicks, to find success this season, given Julius's downturn, needed him to be Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker, and he's he's not Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker. But on that happy note, we will wrap up this edition of the it's long On it. Knicks podcast. No, that's pretty dark. Um, but but it was it was great to talk to you uh, about all of it, Benji. I, I always enjoy these conversations. I, I looked it up. It's been uh, right around 11 months since you came on this podcast for the first time. A, a meteoric rise in Nick's media circles uh, uh, since then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, to you guys,
1: because you guys gave me a shot and you got me on. And that's been uh, that's been a that was a big help in terms of people getting to hear my voice and 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 hear what I got to say. So thank you very much for that. And uh, I always love coming on with you, Gavin. So
0: thanks. All right, well, I'm, I'm not going to take any credit because you, you do you do incredible work. Uh Again, I, I always say it every time uh, you come on, I learn just. I learned something new about basketball every day, checking your Twitter, which you can't say about a ton of people, but Benji, can you tell everyone one final time where they can find all your work and any, anything new upcoming to look forward to?
1: Sure. Um, thanks. I am at Ben Ritholtz NBA. Um, I put stuff on Twitter probably too often. Uh, so you can check me out there. Um, I, I don't know if I'm doing it tomorrow. I don't know if I can get myself through it tomorrow, but generally after every game, I put out uh, what we call Nick's Film Thread on the uh, Nick's Film School account, um, uh, kind of trying to find a a common thread or a or a theme of the game and try to express it through kind of film clips um, that uh, you should check out. And I am going to write something for the Strickland soon. I have an idea. Um, I'm going to be writing about a comparison between Andrew Wiggins and R.J. Barrett. Uh, both young big wings who uh, who Tom Thibodeau encountered at similar points in their careers and actually ran very similar or identical sets, so there's kind of a theme there to explore a little bit and uh, maybe what RJ can learn from from Wiggins' journey and and what how their games kind of compare and contrast. So keep an eye out for that. That'll probably be um, maybe a couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm I've gotten started on the film watching on it, so I'm excited about that one.
0: I wonder if Tibbs just has a little notebook that says Plays for Canadians on it and just references that. Uh, <laughs> Plays whenever. for
1: inefficient Canadians, yes. Yeah,
0: there you go. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a great title. Uh, all right, Benji Ritholtz, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, you know this if you're looking at our beautiful faces, but we are now on YouTube if you haven't already please go throw us a subscription. Uh, We're approaching 700 rapidly. We are trying desperately to get up to 1,000. If you are our 1,000th subscriber, Benji has promised to go and watch your pickup game and and write out grades (laughs) for all of you. I love Uh, that. He's he's in. All right, let's do it. Okay, thank you. Thank you again, Benji, and we'll, we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.